Okay, friends, it's time for another NCEA podcast. But before we begin, try and guess the location of today's guest. Here's your hints. This diocese began in 1937 and has grown from 33 to 78 parishes. Church attendance rates in this diocese are among the highest in the nation. This diocese has 17 schools, 14 elementary and three high school. It is located in the western portion of the state of Kentucky. Join me on a virtual tour to Whitesville, Kentucky, as we visit the Diocese of Owensboro. I am Laura MacDonald, and this is another teacher edition of NCEA Podcast. My guest today is Alicia Jones from St. Mary of the Woods School. Welcome, my friends, to Miss Jones' music class. And thank you, Alicia, for agreeing to join NCEA Podcast today. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you. And uh, thank you for letting me be on this podcast. We are glad you are here. So tell us about yourself. Uh, Well, my name is Alicia Jones. Uh, I come from a pretty small family. I have one younger brother and one younger sister. Um, And I've been Catholic my whole life. I'm what you call a cradle Catholic. I grew up in the Catholic Church and I've been teaching for seven years. I just happened to know something about you. You were awarded the Outstanding Catholic School Educator of the Year for the Diocese of Owensboro in 2021. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Don't worry, we're not going to ask you to repeat your acceptance speech or anything like that. (laughs) Well, it was during COVID, so I don't really actually have an acceptance speech. I found out over um, a Zoom meeting, and actually other teachers knew before I did. Well, we'll make sure you're celebrated again when everyone hears this podcast. (laughs) Um, It's an award that was nominated by parents or students for educators who are role models, have a major influence in the lives of students, show concern with the development of faith, as well as the physical, mental, and emotional development of students, and encourage students to improve their abilities and talents. So, Um, Sounds like a great music teacher to have at your school, if you ask me. Um, So again, congratulations on that achievement. Oh, well, thank you. You're sweet. (laughs) So tell us about St. Mary of the Woods School. Uh, Well, it's located about 20 minutes outside of Owensboro in a small little town. um, And it's connected to a high school um, and a parish, St. Mary of the Woods Parish, kind of oversees all of that. And how large is your school? Uh, well, the preschool has around 50 kids, and then kindergarten through eighth, which is what I teach, um, they are around 250 kids. And then in the high school is close to 100 more. Nice. And you are the music teacher? Yes, I am the music teacher for the kindergarten through eighth, but I also teach seventh and eighth grade religion classes. Um this year, but it could be anything. I've taught PE before. I've taught computers before. I've taught eighth grade ELA. It's just wherever they need me. And it sounds like you're really building the music program over the years. So it sounds like that is where you're needed the most now. Yes, I (laughs) do my best. Tell us about that music program. 
I will. Um, so I have kindergarten through eighth grade that I teach general music to, and we learn about the elements of music and different styles of music and music history and all the things um, as much as I can possibly fit in their short little class times. Um, but then we also have a choir and a band for the K through four group and then another for the fifth through eighth group uh, for their masses that I am in charge of. Um, I, in the fifth through eighth group, the, the band that I have is I've had um, guitar players, mandolin players. I have an electric bass player this year. Um, I've had a snare drummer before and um, uh, I think I said piano. I don't know if I said that or not. But <laughs> um, And then the K through four, I try to include them in the band as much as possible. But um, that age, they uh, it's hard for them to do some of the other instruments. They need a little bit more practice. So I for the little ones, I usually do handbells or um, something called boom whackers so that they can be involved in the band as well. A boom whacker. What, it, what is a boom whacker? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really just a long tube and they're all different lengths oh. and they make different sounds. So you hit them on your hand or on your lap um, and they make uh, different notes. So a they're a lot of fun and the kids love them. <laughs> Sounds like that also requires a lot of rules and a lot of classroom management. Oh, yes. Every time I hand out an instrument before I give it to them, it's like, here is how you treat them. And if you choose not to treat them that way, then you don't get to play today. I'm sorry. That want to take more of these instruments. That gets them to sit up straight and listen right away, I am sure. Well, definitely with the younger ones. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about your classroom. We know you teach at the Catholic school. How do the students know that their music class is indeed a Catholic music class? Uh, well, I actually do not have a classroom at the moment and haven't since COVID started uh, because we've had to have less, you know, smaller class sizes to spread out more. Um, but I hope to be getting one soon where they can come to me. I'm on a cart right now, um, but any classroom that I'm in, um, I always start with a prayer. We um, And I go around the room and let each kid say something that they'd like to pray for, which they always enjoy. Um, and then we have we go through the songs for Mass for the next week. And then we usually do a video that is music related um, in some way. And I try to kind of do different things each time and have them related to the topic that we're talking about. Um, I've done contemporary music for those. I've def done different styles of music. Um, I've done um, some like 1600s kind of music. And I've also done some just kind of fun music videos, some some TikToks sometimes that um, that the kids are interested in doing. Um, and I, I connect some of those to religion. Uh, for example, I've had some country music songs that have to do with, you know, going to heaven or going to church. And we talk about those and how they connect. Even though it's not a, a religious song, we still can connect religion to it. Um, I've also sometimes connected some stories that are not um, Catholic or Christian stories that you could think of in that way. Like, uh, for example, I've told talked about Star Wars before in music class, and we've listened to the Star Wars theme song and several other of you know John Williams songs, but specifically Star Wars having to do with the Force, and we you know talk about how that can connect to our faith and our religion, and how the Jedi have these special powers, and we do too, and things like that. Absolutely, making those connections is is essential to um, gaining the student attention and focus sometimes, definitely. Yeah, well, I was also going to say that with the, the kindergarten through fourth grade, when we're in our music history um, topic, I always start with the creation of the world and how God created 
um, certain animals and to already make um, sounds and make music like birds. They sing their different songs or when the, the wind blows through the trees, you know, it can make sounds. Um, and then with the fifth through eighth grade, I always start their music history unit with um, talking about the Catholic Church being the first organization to um, start to write music down so that they wouldn't lose it and keep libraries and archives um, where they would keep the music safe and pass it down to future generations. Very nice. And I, I think you said you do a couple different programs at your school as well. A music program? Yes. Um, so in the fall, we always do a Christmas program. Um, kindergarten through eighth grade is involved with that. Each grade does their own song, um, leads, you know, the band and the choir. Um, and then the fifth through eighth grade also have a, a short skit from the Bible that they do. And they always enjoy acting those out and wearing the different costumes and having their different props. Um, so we do that in, um, in December. And then in the spring, we always do what well, we started last year doing a talent show. And uh, I think it's we're I'm trying to continue it every year. I do it with both of these. I do with the art teacher as well. Um, but la this last year that we had the talent show, we had about 70 entries. So our talent show lasted about an hour and a half. And we had lots of really awesome, talented kids get up there. Um, of course, some of them backed out because they were too nervous. And that's okay, too. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> Maybe next year they'll be able to. Um, and before COVID started, we had like a, carol, a choir caroling concert um, with the, the choir and the band. Um, we have not started that back up yet. I hope to sometime in the future, but um, I don't know. We get so busy during the school year. Sometimes it's hard to get that done. But well, and it's, I will try my best to put that back in. And it sounds like you were busy today before you um, came here with me today. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing. Yes. Um, so we had something called Rainbow Mass for the Diocese of Owensboro, um, where all of our 17 Catholic schools in the diocese were invited to come to Owensboro. Um, we actually went to the sports center because it was the only place big enough for us to be. Um, but to come together for a mass um, together with the bishop. And he, uh, they actually gave us these, the diocese gave us these crosses um, that I'm, I'm wearing it right now, actually, that the bishop blessed before we left that the kids get to keep and we all get to keep and take home. Um, and some of our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, we have been practicing the last few weeks and we led a few of the songs for that mass. Um, I also taught the, the younger kids, the kindergarten through fourth, I taught them motions to the songs to help them remember the words better because there were a lot of songs. It was a long mass, <laughs> lots of songs. Um, so I taught them motions to the songs and I just, I, I looked up some sign language, different things, and I made up other motions, um, kind of put it together and then videotaped myself and sent it out to all the teachers. We practiced it in music class and then they also practiced through it, um, whenever they had any free time. And, uh, our school, they led those motions and other schools, kind of caught on to it as we were going through, like across the way they were watching them. And they had some high schoolers who were doing these little motions that I didn't, I thought high schoolers were too cool to do, but it was amazing to see that um, they all just got into it and loved it. That must've been really powerful for your students to look across and see high schoolers using them as role models and following their lead. That's pretty powerful. Well, they, they were so excited. You could see the smiles on their faces. I'm pretty sure you probably had a big smile on your face at that moment too. That, that, that must've been a really nice moment. Yes, it was. The, I'm so proud of it. The power of music. Um, let's 
At this point, we're going to take a little break and hear a word from our sponsor. But when we come back, let's discuss music and growing up. Today's episode is brought to you by NCEA Catholic Leadership Summit. Superintendents, new and current, associate superintendents, diocesan order and system leaders are invited to engage with each other and session leaders to learn and share research, best practices, resources, and tools which will have a positive impact on your school's community and strengthen your shared mission. This year's event takes place October 16th through 19th in Arlington, Virginia. To learn more, please visit nca.org backslash CLS. We're back with Alicia from St. Mary of the Woods School, music teacher, and we're just about to talk about music and its impact on your life growing up. Yeah, um, so I've always had music in my life. My my mom and dad, uh, they don't really perform or, you know, play any instruments, you know, in front of people or anything, but they always appreciated music and they always enjoyed listening to it. My mom loves to dance and I wish I could dance like her <laughs> and have the confidence she does, but um, they always appreciated music and they shared it with us, you know, whether it be in the on the car, you know, riding to, you know, wherever to go see a movie or, you know, going to school, uh, we would always be listening to music. They'd always have the radio on. Um, and they would show us all kinds of songs, songs from their childhood, you know, the seventies, eighties. Um, even my mom likes songs now. She loves um, all kinds of pop music. Um, and then different styles, like my mom loves pop and that's like her thing and blues. But my dad, his favorite is country and my mom can't stand it. So (laughs) when I was, you know, I would listen to different things when I was riding with different parents, but it was always there and I always appreciated it and loved listening to it. Um, and, um, growing up, uh, I always like, I enjoyed singing and that was my favorite thing to do was to sing, Um, and my mom kind of recognized that I liked it. I was too shy to sing in front of them. So I would like sing in the shower. And for some reason I couldn't connect the fact that they could still hear me. Um, I I know, I know. Well, if I had known they could hear me, I probably wouldn't have done it, but I don't know why I didn't make that connection. But, um, she would hear me sing. they would hear me sing in the shower or they would hear me like when we were on the car ride, I would be singing real quietly in the back. And so they knew that I enjoyed singing. Um, so she, um, one of her friends was that actually the music minister at our church and she was in charge of uh, playing the piano and singing for mass. And it was just her. Um, we didn't have anybody else up there with her. I came from a, a really small church, uh, maybe 50 or less people at a time. Um, so she kind of talked to her about, you know, me enjoying singing and enjoying music. So um, this lady decided to ask me if I wanted to sing uh, with her at masses. And I was like, well, okay, I don't really want to say no. You're talking about, you know, church and God. I don't want to say no. So, okay, but I'm really scared. <laughs> Um, so I did it. And for the first few years that I was up there with her, you could not hear me because I was too afraid to sing loud um, so that people could hear me. Um, but she really encouraged me um, for many, many years to take voice lessons and um, to take piano lessons. And then she taught me several things on the piano, too. And she basically just handed handed this off to me. But if she told me that that's what she was doing from the beginning, I probably would have said, no, I don't think so. I'm too scared. Um, <laughs> yes, but I'm glad she did it. It sounds very um, similar to your role now. Yes, yes. I try my best to um, emulate her. And she passed away this um, this January. And 
my mom always tells me that um, I'm living her dream. Like I'm, I'm doing the things that she wanted to do. Um, she did not receive any music training when she was younger. Everything that she learned was she taught herself um, and she would have loved to have been a music teacher. So every day that I come in, I think I want to, I want to be more like her. I want to do what she does. Um, I'm sure she's very proud of you. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so did you know you wanted to teach? It sounds like you were lucky enough to live in a household that exposed you to a lot of music. Um, thank goodness. And to really inspire your love and appreciation and passion for music. But did, what about teaching? Where did that come in? Uh, I did not know that I wanted to teach um, when I was growing up. I, I, I mean, honestly, the thought of being in front of anyone scared me for the longest time. And still, sometimes I do still get nervous and get stage fright. Um, but if, when I was growing up, I never considered teaching. Um, when I went into college, I went um, as a performance major, which sounds kind of silly if I have a whole bunch of stage fright. Um, but I did. And it wasn't until um, some of my friends and I had this study group that we made and some of the other students were struggling with a certain concept. Um, and I, I understood it and I helped them to understand it. It wasn't until that moment that I knew that I, maybe I should be a teacher. Maybe I enjoy this because the feeling that I got from helping someone else to, you know, know something that I know was just the best feeling I'd ever felt. And it was like, from that day on, I thought, well, maybe I should consider teaching. And so I continued to go to those uh, study groups and continue to help them. And I continued to feel that way. So I decided to change my major and I'm, I'm very glad that I did. Um, and uh, my mom really inspired me in a lot of those ways because um, when she was growing up, she, um, she tried to play the clarinet and she was in band for a little while, but the teacher that she had um, kind of discouraged her and um, was only looking for those you know, really awesome, talented people and only wanted to help those, um, those particular people. Um, and she stopped playing. Like she does not know how to play clarinet now because of that teacher. And I just, I never wanted to be that way. I want to be the other way. We, we have a very powerful voice as educators and we need to be very mindful of that at all times for the good and for the bad. Um, one of the things that was said about you when you received your award was she has taken under her wing several students who are gifted singers and musicians, but may not be as confident as others. She helps to bring them out of their shell and encourages them to get involved in the church and the community. Is this why you teach? <laughs> it is. Um... I just, I strive to help those who are struggling because I know what it is like to struggle and to be passionate about something and to really enjoy something and love it, but still not, not be awesome automatically <laughs> and to struggle at it and really have to work hard. And I, I want to help those kids to get, you know, to feel confident about themselves. I, I know you also volunteer at your church on Sundays. Is that true? I do. Um, we have an 8 p.m. mass on Sunday. Whew, really late. <laughs> it takes, uh, Monday mornings, I'm a little groggy, but um, I do lead the music for the 8 p.m. masses there. Um, we have usually have between 50 and 100 people show up to that. And uh, 
I invite any students that I have or have had in the past to come up if they want to and, you know, sing with me or if they have an instrument, then they can play with me. Um, and I've, I've had three, three um, young students help me with that. I had one, she's a freshman now, um, she was in eighth grade last year when she was helping me, but she helped me for several years and she would get up there and sing. And she was one of those that was shy like I was. And I just pictured myself every time that she got up there and I was like, I, I want, I want to help her. I want her to, you know, feel as confident as I do in singing because she has a wonderful little voice and she can sing and she got, she had a really big range. And then now I have um, two younger, like really young uh, kids that are singing with me. And um, it's just so sweet to hear their voice in the microphone and not mine. And, you know, know that, you know, I'm helping someone else to um, be heard. So whether a music teacher in an elementary school or a single subject teacher in a high school, it can be difficult to connect. You, most of the elementary school teachers have a classroom of 35. Um, you, have a, you have classrooms of 250, if I'm, if I'm doing my math right. Um, this is something you have figured out. I think this is one of the challenges for our multi-grade level teachers to be able to walk into a room and teach kindergartners and maybe a half hour later be in the classroom with eighth graders. What are some strategies that you might use to help you with these challenges? Uh, well, it's it took me several years to figure these out, um, but the college that I went to, I actually ended up majoring in K through 12 music edu- education, and they would give they gave me um, several strategies and pointers to help with di- the different grade levels. Uh, but still, it's a lot different when you're actually in the classroom <laughs> and you just kind of have to learn as you go and figure things out. And not every teacher is the same. You have to figure out, you know, um, what works for you and what jives for you. Um so it, it has been a struggle and it has been a challenge, but uh, and I continue to grow every year. You know, um, sometimes I don't do as well as I do others, but then I come in the next day and it's like, well, we're going to make today different. We're going to make today better. Um, but I would say that um, some of the things that I do um, specifically with like the K through four group, the younger group, um, I, I feel like I it works better for them if I'm more theatrical or dramatic or excited about things. And I show them that I'm excited um, and then have them do, you know, actions and, you know, moving around, you know, with their instruments or whatever. Uh, but the fifth through eighth, they're a little bit more challenging. Um, I have, I feel like I have to use humor with them a little bit more and connecting things that they're interested in um, with my class. Uh, for example, I have this one student who, loves dinosaurs and paleontology and he just talk anytime that anybody will let him talk about it he will talk about it so um i actually last year chose um some john williams music including the jurassic park theme song and he got so excited and knows you know that i understand and that you know i included him in my you know class and talked about something that he was interested in so it just it makes a, a bigger impact on them i think when they feel included in um, the stuff that we do. Um, I also feel like, um, you know, I have them, if if they're with me in kindergarten all the way up, I have them for nine years. Most of the kids that are there, they get used to me and they understand how class works and they, you know, they're used to the procedure. But we always have, you know, new kids come in, you know, each year. 
and I kind of have to get used to them and they get used to me. And it really helps to kind of reach out to them individually, uh, maybe when there's a group project going on or just even in the hallway, you know, just, hey, and just talking to him a little bit. And uh, it also seems to help with the middle school um, if, and I do this to show them that it's okay to make mistakes, but if I make a mistake and I apologize to the class about this particular mistake and they see me apologize for something and they know that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to apologize and move on. And that helps a lot. I think our, our older kids can be very vulnerable and it's scary. And so seeing you in front of the class, apologizing, being vulnerable, um, taking a risk is a great way to model you're safe here. It's okay. Um, I made a mistake. Everyone's being respectful. It's okay. You can make a mistake too. Um, I think that's one of the tools. Um, music can be used as a tool to help people come out of their shell and, and take a risk in the classroom, which then might carry over into their academics, not, not afraid to make, take a risk, make a mistake in math or in answering a question in front of their peers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to be much more encouraging with the middle school um, than I do the elementary. You know, elementary, it's like, oh, you did a great job. They're like, yay. (laughs) Middle school, they, well, the middle school, they kind of, um, they don't take compliments as well. And it's like they, they're just constantly judging themselves and thinking that other people are judging them. Um, So I feel like I really have to nurture and encourage and continually, you know, continually tell them that they're doing a good job in order for it to actually sink in and for them to feel confident. So it is a little bit more challenging with middle school, but it's, it's, it's great. Well, it's been fabulous hearing all about your school and your program. And I, I I think this is a good message to, for others to hear that a small school with a one woman music department has the ability to have a very, very big um, diverse music program with lots of instruments. Um, what were those things called again in kindergarten? The boom whackers. <laughs> the boom whackers. <laughs> Order some boom whackers. Um, and maybe even... They're really cheap. <laughs> and, and, you know, the mission, your um, hymns from the parish, your hymn books from the parish, um, some basic music concepts, um, Catholic identity, mission, and teach our students love and appreciation for both their faith and music at the same time. Yeah, well, I was going to, I forgot to say this, but um, we actually, I kind of take the books that they have, the hymnals that they have in the church when they're done with them. Uh, Like we purchase new ones, our parish purchase new ones, purchases new ones every sorry can't speak um purchases new ones every year and um I always request hey can I have those because you're just going to throw them away I'll take them and we'll use them in class and we do use them a lot um we haven't since COVID started I feel like I'm saying that a lot um (laughs) things changed when COVID but I'm hoping we're kind of coming out of it Uh, but I take those hymnals and I kind of teach them how to use them how to find music in the you know how to find the different pages in them Um, and how to, you know, what the different things are in the hymnals. So as we approach the end of our podcast, I like to ask a few fun questions. So, and do you have a favorite scripture or scripture story you would like to share? (laughs) It's really hard because there's a lot of good ones. Um, But uh, I'd say my favorite scripture like verse is um, John 15 verse 13. 
which is greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I feel like that's um, something that I try my best to do for these kids is that um, I do everything I possibly can. And anytime I see a kid in need, just jump in and do it. Don't even think about it. Just jump in and help them. That's powerful. Um, how about a teacher that has inspired you? Uh, well, it's kind of hard. Um, I don't remember my, a lot of my younger grade level teachers and, and the impact on me. Um, and I just thought of another teacher while, while you were asking me that question that uh, might have been a good one to say, too. Uh, but I, I'd have to pick my um, high school theater teacher. Um, she she was always, always, you know, encouraging and happy and excited about everything that she was doing and always working her very, very hardest to get everything done. Um, we loved her so much. She was kind of, kind of crazy. Um, she would, one of the things that I remember about her is that she would always lose her glasses, but they were always on the top of her head. She would be searching everywhere for them. Where are my glasses? And they were always right there, but she was all, that's because she was always working so hard for her students. Um, and I, I strive to be more like that every day and just to work my very hardest for them. Very nice. And you, and you wonder if that was just a strategy to get your attention now that you're a teacher, maybe she knew they were on her head all along. (laughs) Maybe. maybe. (laughs) You never know the things we do for our students' attention. Well, oh, well, that reminds me I, there, with the kindergarten class every year, because that's the first time I've had them. There's something that I intentionally do that just they just love and it just amazes me. So I continue doing it, but it just amazes me. Um, so um, I only have them like once, maybe twice a week. Um, this year, it's only once. So I don't have them very often. It's really hard to you know learn their names. So I go in for the very first class that we have and I go around the room and have them tell me their names and tell me something music related that they did over the summer. They love doing that. And then I get done with a table and I go back through and I repeat their names to make sure I got their names good. And it's really, it's, it's helping me to remember their names. But, um, and then I go to the next table and then I stop and then we go through those two tables. And then by the time I get to the end of the, you know, the whole class, it's all quite a few kids. Um, so I say, okay, now I'm going to try to remember all of your names. And they usually have name plates on their desks. So I have them cover up their names and they get so excited to do this. They're like, is she going to remember my name? Oh my gosh, I don't know. She might not. And they try to stump me. They always try to. And they sometimes I intentionally, oh, oh no. I don't remember your name. Oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. And they just get so excited that they think I forgot their name. And then I say it and they're like, yeah. I mean, it's just little things like that. It It is the little things. And it's those things that help them understand that they are loved and that they matter. Just remembering their name, just remember saying hello in the hallway and, and seeing them, um, those are some important qualities of a, of a good teacher. I, I really want to thank you for being our guest today, Alicia. It has been a pleasure hearing about your music journey and the journey that you're going on with your with you, all your students at your school. It's been great. I encourage all of you, if you happen to be driving through Whitesville, Kentucky on a Sunday 
at 8 p.m., <laughs> stop in where Alicia is the volunteer pianist and singer. And I hear she's always looking for some volunteers to join her. <laughs> for sure. Everybody, just come on up. <laughs> um, thank you to our NCEA podcast listeners. And, and again, thank you so much, Alicia. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be asked to do this. <laughs> do you or someone you know have something worth sharing? Let us know. We could be visiting your diocese and introducing you as our next podcast guest. After all, the most valuable resource we have is each other. <laughs>